Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. For the second show of the night, uh, this is a big get for me. He's uh, one of my favorite local artists. His band's Wreath and uh, Vacancy. I'm loving. I've got him on repeat in my office. Um, Elliot Mayo is here in the studio today and he was nice enough to wait for me to finish up my last interview with, uh, Dmitry Stoyanovich, but two great guys, two great musicians and just proof positive of how amazing music, the music scene is here in Tampa. So thank you for stopping by. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know that your hours are such that you, we need to get you at, at dusk because, uh, you're, you're out there solving the world's problems from uh, <laughs> eight to five, but, uh, I I have you know said this a few times especially since I became aware of you is that most 99.9% of my relationships I'm the one introducing people to music and you have become that to me and I love it because I for a long time was getting bored you know I don't know if you've found that in in your life but you're kind of like I've listened to everything. I've listened to it a million times. I want something new. I want to find something new. And uh, now, now being at least Facebook friends with you, almost on the daily, you're you're introducing me to new stuff, and I love it. So I appreciate. Thank you for that. Yeah, definitely um, not a problem at all. Has music been kind of ubiquitous throughout your life from the very beginning, or is that something you came into as you got older? Or? Um, I mean, I've always been into music, like probably since I was like early early teens like like probably like age of like 10 11 like and what what year would you have been 10 or 11 oh, sorry math let me do math real quick i gave you a beer uh, and then asked you to do yeah math. born in 1986 so probably like 1996 okay i think the first uh album that i bought was a weird owl record this is the okay. first thing that I bought. Weird Al has come up a good deal. Weird Al and Dookie are somehow... Uh, Dookie is definitely one of the first records. Especially people learning to play music, like bass or guitar. Like, you know, it's like, oh, I just bought Dookie and I figured out how to play that. And that was the how I got into playing music. So I, I can dig Weird, Weird Al. I think he was ahead of his time and behind the time and besides the time. He kind of exists on all planes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I actually, I got into Nirvana through um like the weird owl parody song that he did i can't remember what record it was but then i bought a bunch of those records then from that i kind of got into like nine inch nails tool like slightly heavier but still like more mainstream bands right. and then um poison the well was the first band um like more extreme sure. like heavy like metalcore band that i found um, and then I literally just like, uh, cause I mean, even I think that was like pre MySpace at that point, even so pretty much like discovering new bands. A lot of it was just like opening the CD booklet, looking at the thing. What does the picture on the front like, look like? Hmm? Yeah. No, that was it for me as I'd walk around. And so I grew up in St. Pete. I used to go to asylum music when they actually sold music and it wasn't just all, you know, pipes and whatever else I would sit there. And I remember, finding Caius that way. I remember finding Crowbar that way. I remember finding all these bands like that fucking album cover looks so amazing. They must be made. And you find as much dog shit as you find good stuff. But oh yeah, that definitely. was how that was how I I found new bands back then. I remember uh Converge. Converge probably one of my top five of all time probably at this point. I remember I bought Jane Doe. Oh yeah. Uh when it came out from Vinyl Fever. Uh I was across the street uh from the high school I went to plant when it was back over there. Um, and I bought that based on the cover art and I remember listening to it. And at the time, 
I legit thought it was noise. Like I oh, was yeah. just like, this is so like, and I was already listening to like metalcore bands like Poison the Wild and stuff that are a little more streamlined, a little more streamlined. But the Jane Doe was just such a chaotic record that like I couldn't even wrap my head around it. Like the first couple of times, oh, the I time signatures it. and uh, yeah. the streaming that that was me with Dillinger Escape Plan. That's another Cal one. Calculating yeah. Affinity. I, you know, I was just like. The first time I was like, what the fuck is this? But now like those records have had the most longevity in my listening. Oh yeah. Um, because absolutely. they, they, they always reveal something new and they're not easy. Like you, you, each time you listen to it, you're listening to something different. And so, you know, when it's not so obvious, not so on the nose, that's when you can kind of have a long-term relationship with these these bands and converge very much the same way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That record, like the more I listened to it, the more it started to click, everything started to make sense. And from there, I just, uh, I got into cave in, um, Kalesk, botch, like all that whole family of bands. And that's still like pretty much my shit to this day. Like well, I botch, still listen to botch, those bands. Botch is name checked by almost everybody. And then cave in, uh, Brodsky, who was in that band and is kind of, shown up in various different incarnations of of bands whether it's uh what's oh, it, yes. a mutoid, mutoid man, man. Um, um he was in he was in a converge for a, a minute i think he did i know he's done um on axe to fall i know he did like a guest spot yeah. in converge and i think he's he's definitely toured with them before like as a fill-in right and stuff um, and then ben kohler is one of my favorite favorite oh, yeah, drummers he's i mean incredible. all pigs must die he somehow i i think we were talking about this i don't know if it's just as a producer or what but on the armed and i've i've just fallen in love with the arms record oh yeah only love yeah oh you know the story about that band uh with uh how they got ben kohler to no. play drums tell for me that band? tell me they like uh, i don't know the exact thing but basically they asked him to play drums for the record and he was like i don't I don't know who y'all are. Sorry, don't have the time. And then they apparently like took drum tracks like from another record that he made and, and put like, them on their music, put them over it and then eventually convinced him to play it, play on it that way or whatever. But the arm is funny. They're like the biggest like troll band of all time. Like they have that new newer song out called uh, featuring Frank, Frank Turner. Turner. Yeah. And Frank Turner got all pissed about it and like posted something. And then they posted, they were like, Oh, we're really upset that Frank Turner doesn't like the song. We're a big fan of gallows. We love that. Band. Yeah. Yeah. yeah fuck <laughs> I'm them. just like, God damn, they're really just, they do not give a fuck. That's hilarious. Now, uh, music, did you come to it organically or did you have someone in the family who was into it or just your friends or um, like definitely my brother? Um, he, he older was brother? music and stuff. Yeah. My older brother, but, uh, he's in a lot more, uh, um, like classic rock and like okay. metal and stuff like that. Um, definitely, uh, it was something I discovered mostly on my own. Um, were you through... a recluse? I, so I, I found comfort in going home, closing my door and like looking at the mail in ca catalog for revelation records or, you know, I would just discord or whatever the thing was. I would just be like, Oh, gorilla biscuits. That's a weird name. And then judge and bold and, and sick of it all. And all these types of bands, I would just start finding these things. And it was like, okay, it was almost like comic books. Yeah. Was it that way for you? Um, I remember, uh, after I found out about poison, the well, um, they had an ad for, uh, this website, very distribution okay. that used to be, uh, used to sell like a bunch of hardcore and metal and stuff like that. And I remember my birthday was around that time. And my mom was like, what do you want for your birthday? And I'm just like, um, 
just let me order all of this stuff. And right. I just gave her a list. I just like picked a bunch of stuff. You like write a, a check and you records. fill out, you have to put the SKU number and how many was it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, she did have to send a check at the time. And like, just you just filled out the stuff on the catalog, sent the check in with it. And, and like four months later, it shows up. <laughs> I wish I'd had the foresight to uh, buy records on vinyl and get into that early. 100%. I'm sure I would be. So I went to uh, UCF. I started UCF. What year did I start? I graduated in 98. So I started in 94. Um, and for whatever reason, I got really into the Revelation catalog in my freshman year. And I basically bought every one of those albums. I remember shaved my head. I bought every one of those albums. Uh, I started wearing youth of today shirts and hustling pool down in the, the mess. That was, that was my freshman year in college. And uh, there's a record store that opened up across the way. And it, it became more for me about what label was the music coming from than who the artist was. I mean, that yeah. for a long time was how I, I remember music. that was a thing for me for a while with uh death wish, like everything that death wish released for sure I would get. Before it, I even heard it, was, I was Jesuit like, yeah. on Death Wish? I know is that um, Nate's band. From they did um, a discography record for uh, Magic Bullet. Okay, who, a Magic Bullet uh, is now is now Dark Operative, and they only get closer have, to the mic. There you go. Oh, okay, my bad. No, you're good. Um, they only have uh, two bands on their roster now. It's This Will Destroy You and Power Trip. Okay, um, but Magic Bullet put out like Page Ninety Nine, Majority Rule. Um, they put out the first Doom Riders record which is Nate from Nate's Converge, right. Black Thunder. They put that out. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, the, they released a, uh, a Jesuit discography album. But I think Jesuit um, put out stuff pre-Death Wish. Like before I got the, the one with the green lady on the existed. front of it. What is that? Uh, is it the LP? That's probably what it yeah, is. Yeah, that's uh, that. I think Magic Bullet put that out. That's, that's pretty uh, badass. Yeah, that's got their whole discography on it. That band was awesome, too. Like uh nate from converge he's in uh old man gloom too oh that's yeah another band i mean that's converge is like a, a a super group but everybody started out in that group it's like they all went out on their own and made these uh, other amazing bands and then they still stay together and kurt blue i mean has produced high on fire and and just all these oh yeah albums. he's done a lot of like really incredible um recordings for sure so um stuff. when did when did actually being in a band come to fruition um, I want to say I like my freshman, uh, sophomore year of high school. Really? I was in this really, um, uh, best word I can say is, is rough, uh, kind of bad, like metalcore band called, uh, Beauty and Chaos. Okay. Uh, which, uh, we actually played, uh, we played like a lot of great shows. Like we played with Cursed and we played with, uh, Barrier Dead a couple of times. And were you and like, always on vocals or? Uh, yeah, I've always done vocals. Um, for better or for worse. Um, I never learned how to play an instrument and I've always like kind of liked the frontman thing. So, um, yeah, I kind of just developed like a sound after a while. And then after doing Beauty and Chaos for a while, I kind of veered into more like extreme, like punk hardcore territory. Like I wanted to be in like a power violence band. Um, I did a band that was kind of like, I don't know if you've heard that band Tragedy, like that crusty hardcore right, band, right. but I was in a band called End It. Um, and then after that, I did Escapist, which was definitely more of like a, now, I've heard of older Escapist. ceremony, yeah. Yeah. like Iron Lung style power violence band. Um, and then for a while, um, I just like, I didn't really have the time and I also couldn't find the right people for a while for what I wanted to do. And then, um, I think it was like 
2017, like the beginning of that year, um, I got together with Christian and originally vacancy was going to be, um, it was going to be bass, drums, and vocals. Okay. And Christian was just going to use his rig and just play straight bass through it. Um, and then he started writing the songs on guitar and he was like, well, this sounds better on guitar. So I'm just going to use, he basically uses a channel. Uh, to send a bass signal out through another oh, set wow. of amps. Oh, wow. So he plays guitar, but sends a bass signal to one of his amps. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, so we did that. And then I think our first show was April 2017 at Lucky You. And pretty much been doing that um, for the past like three years now. Um, and then Wreath started up like late, I would say... Our first show was December. It was the it was the Christmas show at right, Crowbar right, that right. Uh, that Keith does from uh, Microgroove and New Granada. So we did that. Uh, put out the EP in May. Obviously, because of the situation right now, couldn't play any shows surrounding it and everything. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I've got those two bands going now, and I'm trying to start something else. But we'll we'll see if that happens or not. Right, writing. Always- Writing the music, are you writing all the, the lyrics? Um, I write all the lyrics, yeah. And um, I can't really write music, but a lot of the time I'll obviously like I'll sit in and practice. But you've and clearly stuff got an ear like, for it. So, uh, you know, from an arrangement perspective, I think you've definitely got the ability to know what sounds good, you know, because uh, I was talking to Dimitri before you. And as a drummer, he, I was asking him about what part he plays in the writing of music. And he said, well... He, because English is a second second language for him, he's like, I have a very difficult time writing vocals, and obviously, I don't have the background to write the string parts. But with the drums, I very much listen to things from an arrangement perspective, and I think drummers and vocalists probably have that in common. Oh um, yeah, definitely. You know, kind of approaching it from a different angle. Uh, so, from uh, the vocals, is it is it are you is it therapy for you? Is it ah uh, definitely for um, you? Is it um, vacancy is definitely more of like a lot of the time I write that stuff stream of consciousness. Like I'll just sit and be writing lyrics like on my phone, like while they're playing the songs, like practicing new songs over and over again. And of course, like we'll do like rough recordings and I'll listen to those while I'm at work and write lyrics and stuff. Vacancy is definitely way more of like a free form thing than a like I'm trying to make a statement. Sure. Like the songs are roughly more or less about things but they're very like broad more of a feeling less yeah yeah. less of like a super personal thing whereas wreath is like definitely the lyrics in that band um are way more of a personal and like a social political oh excuse me uh, (laughs) uh statement that um more or less trying to make at least um but yeah wreath is cool because i've definitely never really had the opportunity at least in a band now to write about anything like that having the perspective that i have now being a bit older and being able to tackle it with like you know obviously still a punk attitude i don't want it to be like you know a dissertation like via punk song but like definitely like a better perspective and like a more tasteful way to put it across than I think I would have done like back in the day. Well, yeah. I mean, so you, you go through the different uh, types of punk, the different types of hardcore music and, you know, you've got your political, you've got kind of your darker stuff. Um, and so it can kind of take on these different forms, but I've had this conversation with people before. I talk about it with Gabe from creative loafing a lot that I think a lot of people who either, 
are really into listening music or are into playing music, they're at some point in their life with some sort of darkness that triggered that. Would you agree that that's true? Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, I think that everybody, you know, unless you're live like an extremely charmed life and you get lucky, like everybody's got their fair share of like demons and like darkness and punk and hardcore is definitely like for me, like, you know, high school was like not really fun for me. I was definitely like a really different person at a really bougie ass high school right. where like if you didn't like fuck with playing sports or you liked the kind of music that I liked, like basically like nobody liked you and people like were out to like tell you that they didn't like you and shit like that. But I definitely um, embraced like that scene and like punk and hardcore and stuff like as I grew up and it like definitely helped me to realize that I wasn't alone. Like I wasn't like some kind of like just like unlikable person or anything like that. And that there were people that, cared about the same kind of shit that I cared about, like in the scene and in the community and stuff. Can you imagine now going through school with social media and what that would do? I mean, how much easier it is for people to fuck with you and make you feel horrible. about. Oh yourself? yeah. I feel, I definitely feel for uh, like the younger generation of kids, like middle school and high school, especially like having access to that kind of stuff and like definitely kids and stuff like having like, access to like being able to bully like online with social media and stuff. I know there's like, um, there's that, uh, that, that Netflix documentary, social dilemma, just came, yeah. the social dilemma. And, uh, me and my partner watched that the other night and like, yeah, like that shit. Like I know like they said at the end, like teen suicide rates and like the suicide rates of like kids and like middle schools have gone up like hundreds, yeah. like, yeah, like 300%, like, since social media was introduced and stuff. And I just feel like it's, like, overwhelming. Like, even now, as somebody who's 34 years old, like, I definitely find social media to be overwhelming a lot of the time, oh, especially wonder. right now, because you're scrolling through and it's, like, aside from, like, shit posts and, like, memes and stuff like that, which are obviously funny, and, like, music groups that I'm a part of, it's literally just, like, bad news. Bad oh, yeah, news, it's Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Ron DeSantis issuing crazy or <laughs> It's like... Oh, yeah, that... This past week has been That absolutely bananas. ridiculous stuff. Yeah, I saw... Um, I read a little bit of the, the Ron De DeSantis thing. It definitely seems... Uh, like one of those things where if I was just a regular person just looking at it, I would be like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But then I think about all the times that cops have like said that somebody like assaulted them just because it's somebody such an open door to do whatever you want. Yeah, it's just a green light to basically say, oh, you it's more than seven people here. It's like. I'm yeah. Walking out of a bar and there were six people smoking cigarettes outside. I'm not one of these seven people. And then, and then also it like opens the door for somebody maybe like organizes a Black Lives Matter protest and there's some kind of like altercation between the cops and a couple of protesters there. And then the person that organized it can be arrested right. because they set it up. Rico. Yeah. And all this other crazy stuff. Yeah. It's. It's not good. And it's insane. But but you you mentioned it. At the same time, social media gives me people like you who introduce me to amazing music or people that make me laugh or people that alert me to cool movies or art or whatever that the case may be. So it is a dilemma not to not to, you know, be too hack and use the title of the movie. But um so you mentioned this new project. Is that secret? Kind of. Okay. I wouldn't okay. want to talk about it yet, just because it is definitely one of those things where I'm 50-50 on if it's even going to happen. Sure. Like, it's people that I was in a band with before. Um, I hit them up and I was like, hey, 
everything is absolutely terrible right now. Like Vacancy is a really heavy band. And then Wreath is like, you know, like a punk and a hardcore band, but we're definitely more on the melodic side of things. Sure. But I've had this like itch lately to make just like really, really like soul crushingly like depressing heavy music kind of in the vein of like primitive man or like bands like iron lung and stuff like that. So I was, I was hitting up, um, a couple of people that I used to play with in vacancy. And I was like, do you want to do this? Like, it would probably be like a socially distanced thing. You, re you record your parts. I record my parts and we'll just do it all, all apart from each other and then drop something online. And then, you know, hopefully next year at some point, fingers crossed, we can play, play a show yeah, or yeah. do something. But, um, yeah, other than that, um, vacancies hopefully getting back together uh pretty soon to start work on the uh the lp again because that's what we were working on How before all of this I mean, stuff is all the happened music written um a lot of it's written uh we have like two or three more songs to write and like fully flesh out and then a lot of the uh songs on the older eps we're gonna re-record um just to get like a more like full version of that because when we recorded the first ep uh we did it like in a day or two, like super quick. Um, and then the, the ache promo, the three song EP, uh, same thing. We did it like super quickly. And that was definitely meant to be more of like a demo, right? Than like a full release. Uh, originally the record was going to be called ache and was going to be the full length. But I think at this point, there's been so much time in between that I'm kind of like pivoting away from that now. Um, especially with everything that's going on. So, um, Probably going to change some stuff up, but yeah, I mean, hopefully it was going to be last year and then we got kind of sidetracked with everything. And then obviously this year we had a ton of plans. Uh, we were going to play fast. We were going to play, um, three, five, two fest in Gainesville, which was like an amazing lineup. It had right. uh, ether horse whip. Uh, I think Shitstorm was on it, uh, this year and like a bunch of other bands, but that was, uh, supposed to be in April. So obviously that got canceled. Right. And then uh, we were kind of holding out, hoping that we could get together and start writing and maybe release a record during Fest. But obviously now Fest is pushed back till next year. So it gives us some more time, which is always good. Um, Are you writing more? Uh, I've written like probably like a couple dozen yeah. like songs right now. Um, Do you rather... find inspired by it, motivated by it at all? I mean, just the it's, shit of it all. It seems like it would be, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's, you know, not a, a great catharsis to say that dark times inspire some pretty amazing music, but it yeah. seems like these are those times I, I I'm hoping that it inspires a lot of great music to come out. It's definitely, um, a double edged sword, um, having the time. And then I definitely like, uh, everything that's been going on, like I have been inspired to write a lot of stuff, uh, based on that. And I do feel like when we do start going at it again, it's going like, we're going to be hitting it that much harder because of the time in between and the restlessness. But at the same time, like, you know, not being able to book or play or like have that release at all. Um, we haven't even really been able to practice for a little while just because of, uh, everything, ev all the members have had going on. Right. Um, Reef has practiced like a couple of times. Vacancy hasn't practiced again yet. Although I think we are doing that this upcoming weekend finally, but it's a double edged sword because, um, I do like having the time to like get exactly what I want out. Right. But at the same time, like there is the restlessness 
and just the kind of like, oh, well, there goes all our plans down the crapper. But also that happened to everybody this year. Well, that's so true. At, it's less, you know, it's less, uh, it's a it's it's not as tough a pill to swallow when you know everybody's getting yeah, fucked. Yeah, it's definitely it's less when you're the a, when you're the only one who's getting fucked. It's like this is bullshit, but when it's like ah, well, I guess it's what everybody's going. Yeah, through. and I mean to be fair, also like Vacancy and Wreath are much smaller bands in comparison to like I've got a lot of friends that are in bands that planned on going on like eight month long tours right. this year, releasing records that have gotten pushed back and stuff because they can't tour on them and everything like that. So I mean, it could be a lot worse. For sure. So, um, what are you listening to right now? Like, is there, give me, I know that's a loaded question. There's a million things you could say, but like, who's, who's speaking to you right now? Um, the new, uh, as far as hardcore goes, the new Gulch album, uh, Impenetrable Cerebral Fortress, I think is incredible. Right. Um, that album got like an insane amount of hype. Like I literally stayed up until midnight when pre-orders came out right. so I could get the most limited variant and it sold out within like, I think it was like 2000 copies. Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. I did grab one. Um, but I think it was like 2000 copies. They sold out in like a couple of minutes Oh wow! and then they did a second press that was like a thousand copies sold out almost instantly. But they're definitely, um, a band for these times for sure. It's just like pure, like, breakneck aggression like just like absolutely filthy sounding vocals um it kind of reminds me of like older ceremony but uh definitely more metal skewed than that okay um and then uh that new primitive man record is definitely like that that record basically is like the record of of 2020 like as far as a mood goes like it's just absolutely like just soul crushing and bleak as fuck like um, and the thing for me about Primitive Man is I think they're a great band and I've seen them a couple of times and I think they're awesome live, but their records, uh, specifically the record they released before this one is just like, it's so fucking long. Yeah. It's like an hour and 17 minutes long. And like, I love like extreme music and shit. Um, but, but there's in, just, in, in, I have a tolerance level sure. and it's just hard to get through the whole thing. So this record being, only I think like 36, 37 minutes, I feel like the brevity definitely works in their favor as far as something that I can listen to and even put on repeat. And it doesn't feel like I'm like dragging along in any way. We're not gilding the lily. They they got in and got out and got the good stuff on. And that's no discount to them either. Like I know a lot of people, uh, like my friend Simon, he thinks that uh, Caustic, the record they released, that's like an hour and 17 minutes. He thinks that that record is like the best record they've ever released. I know a lot of people that love it, but I definitely, the shorter runtime for it um, definitely helps for me. And then I also listen to like a lot of rap. So So I was going to ask you, what else do you listen to besides quote unquote heavy music? Oh, all sorts of stuff. Um, I listen to uh, a lot of like um, a lot of hip hop. I uh, definitely love uh, Freddie Gibbs. Uh, pretty much everything, in my opinion, Freddie Gibbs is like the best rapper out right now. Period. Did you ever like, consider doing something like that, or is that too too outside the scope of your? Um, if I had like what I thought was the cognitive ability to rap, and moreover than that, something that I felt was worth talking about from my perspective. But like all the rap that I really listen to, honestly, is like grimy as fuck and just like dark and like from a perspective usually like there there are white rappers that i like for sure but like i can't imagine myself rapping about like you know like cooking up coke in a kitchen or something like that because it's just not an experience 
that I've ever had. Right. And it would be a weird, I just don't know what I would really rap about. You know who I really liked, and I may get shit for this, but did you ever listen to The Streets? Oh, yeah. I've heard I used The Streets to, and, before. And he was rapping about random shit, like from an English perspective, which was kind of cool because yeah. that's a whole other kind of background that you're coming from and singing about. And it wasn't, you know, you talked about cognitive ability, which you weren't necessarily saying rapping ability, but, you know, he was just talking almost. Yeah. And for something about that, just it it, it tickled me. I, I, I love that. Um, and I know he's put out a couple albums since then and he's still kind of around, but. Yeah, um, I, think they, I think uh, I think I think he put out an album pretty recently, like last year. Yeah, I think I remember that, one. too. What else? What and else besides rap and hard music? Um, I like a lot of uh, synthwave stuff um, like Drab Majesty, uh, Choir Boy, um, fucking uh, Soft Kill, uh, bands like that. Um, that's definitely stuff I listen to when I'm just like trying to relax and like. Kind of just get out of my own head and stuff like that. Um, listen to a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of metal, even though I feel like that kind of falls with like punk and hardcore. Yeah, but yeah. listen to a lot of like death metal and stuff like that, and uh, a lot of like nineties. Like I love like nineties like alternative rock and all that shit. Like um, I see a lot of people like, especially in the music groups that I'm in. Uh, like I'm in a noise rock music group, and they'll talk shit on bands like Nirvana and like. Butthole Surfers, Soundgarden, whatever else. And I still, I love all those fucking oh, bands. Like, sure. I'll always love all of that 100%. Stuff. Now, I've had uh, recently a number of comedians on, and I asked them about, you know, seeing other comedians on stage and whether they'll do it or whether they won't do it. And I don't know if it's the same with music, but do you try and try and keep some space between that when you're writing your own music? Do you have a fear that maybe I'm sounding too much like this or maybe I'm copying that or do you, is that not even? No, I mean, I feel like I always um, grab inspiration from stuff. I try to be self-aware about if something that like a band that I'm in is putting out is like exactly like something else to a T where people are going to be like, that's a rip off of that. Like, um, like I remember the Wreath record has uh an intro uh that sounds almost like it's really short, so we let it slide, but it sounds like almost exactly like the intro to a suicide file song, uh-huh. which is one of my favorite hardcore bands. But um I feel like I gather inspiration from like listening to other stuff and especially from like seeing friends bands and stuff, like like Horsewhip, for instance, putting out that new record next week. Um, seeing them like kill it is like something that's like really inspiring to me because like I would consider them like peers like in a sense because we play shows with them all the time and stuff like that and then um, Ether is another band uh, Ether Coven I guess they're called now they had to change their name I'm gonna but, give uh, this I'm just gonna give this interview to a court reporter and have them type a transcript so I can go through <laughs> and pull out all these names that you're you're hitting me up with now, uh, you mentioned Horsewhip, which, uh, by the way, you got me into. I just went to Keith at Microgroove and bought the one that he had uh, over there. Um, you wrote a, a review of them. Is this something that you do often? or um, It's something that I used to do a lot, and I'm starting to get I back you into do it more. now. Um, I used to write for this blog, uh, Toxic Breeds Funhouse, which is uh, actually – how I uh, got because at that point when I was writing for uh, Toxic Breed, that was run by this dude Wayne who lived in California, 
And, um, I would post, uh, I would hit him up and be like, Hey, can I post this? Like, can I, can I post this record or feature or whatever? And at the time we were actually posting records, uh, to download, right. just like as a download website to get shit out there. And most of the bands would usually be cool with it. Like, uh, weekend nachos, for instance, uh, power violence band from Chicago, they would always send us their stuff in advance right. and they would be like, yeah, post it. We don't care. Like whatever, just post like. Post the link to pre-order the record, but like, we don't care if you give it away for free. And then some labels were like, nah, and would send us cease and desists, but it eventually turned into more of an actual like review blog. Right. And that's when we started getting, um, Southern Lord, Death Wish, um, A389 when they were active, they would send us all their stuff. And for me, like, um, it was definitely, I did it out of a passion and also I did it because I would get to hear records that I really wanted to hear like two or three months before they would drop. Like, uh, I remember Power Trip, uh, the first, uh, LP that they released for Southern Lord. I got like a couple of months in advance. Bananas. To I saw it. them when they opened for High on Fire over at Orpheum and they were like, they just were like the big four all in one, you know, like, like they just, yeah, they really such are a rever reverential, you know, to the thrash scene. And, but they did it so well. I remember, you know, listening to, was it swing of the ax, whatever. It was like, it sounds like off the, it could be off of any Slayer. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of amazing. Did, have they figured out why he passed yet? Did they, I don't think so. Um, I know, I know the dude lived a pretty hard lifestyle, they, but I mean, obviously I don't want to, yeah, speculate sure. on whatever happened uh i was honestly i was shocked beyond belief when i read that he passed um definitely the last i mean obviously like people aren't ever expecting anything but i would have never no. expected him i think he was the same age i am 34 and i think they had still had their best albums ahead of them oh yeah absolutely yeah it's it's tragic definitely um obviously most of all because people lost like a family member sure. and like a friend and stuff but also because like power trip are such an, an amazing band and like i really think that they would have gone on to be like huge a metallica sure. an anthrax like a band like that like they were definitely as far as like the underground metal scene went like they were like on the rise for sure so you you are gonna start writing more? You think? Uh, yeah, I'm still um I'm still definitely uh looking to do reviews and stuff. Uh, when I first started that blog that I did uh the horse whip review on, uh, originally what I was gonna do was I was just gonna talk about old records right. that I thought were kind of underappreciated, which I wrote about like the last Snapcase record that came out, which a lot of people dog on, but I think is great. Where can you find this blog? Um. I want to say it's, let me find the address for it. Um, it's called, uh, deep dive off the stage, but let me find the actual link to it. Cause the blog spot link is like a different, I want to say it's deep dive off stage dot blogspot.com. But let me make sure that that is the case. Uh, yes. So the blog's called Deep Dive Off the Stage. The actual, uh, URL for it is just, uh, deepdiveoffstage.blogspot.com. But, um, yeah, I've read a couple, um, I've done a couple reviews. Um, I did a review of this other, uh, Florida band, Guilt. Um, their, uh, younger band, uh, they've been around for like two or three years, but they just recorded a full length that I think is probably gonna definitely turn a lot of heads. That's um, awesome. 
Well, to the extent that I can encourage you to, to whatever extent my opinion matters, please keep doing it because I love it. I mean, I definitely I love writing and it's something that I've missed for a long time since Toxic Read shut down because after a while, um, Wayne, the dude who originally started the blog, he was just like, yeah, I'm too busy. I can't really do it anymore. I can't keep up with the request. And I didn't really want to take over what he had built. Cause it seemed weird where I was just kind of like a major contributor, but not somebody who actually started the blog. Right. So when he decided to shut, uh, shut down shop, I was like, okay, that's fine. You know, whatever. Well, this can be a different thing, but your own yeah. thing. And that's pretty awesome. So, uh, before I let you go, I'm going to ask you a question that I like to ask people on occasion. I started having a conversation with, uh, Rob Sexton over there from, uh, plant retro. Um, do you, th- what was, what was the last form of, dangerous music and do you think it's possible for us to have a new form of that so my i I think i worded it quite differently with him i was i think i said was rap the last punk music that we're ever going to have and and he kind of has hemmed and hawed on it and and kind of thought about it and had different answers over time but i'd be interested in your opinion on that yeah um i don't know it depends um it really depends on the perspective i guess because even like current punk and hardcore bands and a lot of like current rap music, like to a lot of people that is definitely going to seem dangerous. Whereas somebody like immersed in the subculture is going to be like, Oh yeah, that band's great. But like not really have any But it used to be, there was a good shot of getting stabbed with a bottle or shot outside the venue. Oh or yeah. I mean, catching some sort of disease in the bathroom. <laughs> or- I remember, um, uh, when I used to go to hardcore shows back at a uh, 68 skate park or uh, in Clearwater, uh, I remember I went and saw this one band, uh, Pride Kills uh-huh. from Texas play and a couple of, uh, Nazi skinheads showed up and the band actually fucking like went to their van, came back out with like mace and baseball bats and shit and just fucking chased them like straight out of the fucking venue, like immediately. Right. Uh, that shit was pretty wild. I think I was like 19 or 20 at the time and I was like, man, this is fucking awesome. But also I'm really scared right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I used saw, to be the, that used to be the status quo. I mean, you, you hear about like when DC hardcore bands were visiting in New York and, you know, you hear about agnostic front and the Cro-Mags and, you know, John Joseph, I think did prison time and there's like every, knife fights out front. And, yeah. I remember, um, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, I talk a lot of shit online or I used to, uh, I kind of got tired of it, but, uh, I remember I, uh, I called out this, uh, this punk hardcore group from Tampa because they had a show with like white power bands, right. uh, TBHG. And w- this guy, um, contacted me and he was like, I am the Nazi you seek. I'm the one you want to talk to or whatever. And I was like, Oh yeah, this dude's a fucking joke or whatever. And then I talked to one of my, uh, older friends, Matt, and he was like, Oh no, that dude definitely got stabbed at a snap case show and like actually is a Nazi. Oh my God. Like, uh, at the fucking, I think it was called the Stone Pony or something like that, an older venue in Tampa or whatever. But um, I heard about a lot of that stuff. Um, it'll be interesting now with the social climate. The it's kind of coming back on. out of the woodwork. A yeah, because a lot of the a lot of the white nationalist stuff and the Nazi shit like is is definitely coming back more in the open. And I feel like those people feel safer Emboldened. now than yeah. they would have. But I still don't think that they're going to be able to feel safe at like a punk or hardcore show. Right. Well, then, fortunately. And then, so after that, you with rap, I mean, you actually had people killing folks. I mean, you know, Tupac, Biggie, and all this yeah. other stuff. But, but after that, the danger just seemed to go out of it. 
Kinda. Uh, there's actually been, uh, there was a newer rapper. Uh, there's a couple of rappers who have been uh, unfortunately killed. Uh, I know uh, Nipsey Hussle was a really big yeah. rapper. He got shot to death. Um, that dude, Triple uh, X Tension, he got shot to death in Miami. And uh, it's wild. Like the culture nowadays is so crazy because there was like all these videos of people filming him just bleeding to death. Right, right. Like, just like sitting there with their phones and I'm just like, man, I mean, I know you can't really do anything, but, but maybe don't kind of fucked it. up. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah maybe sure. go get help or something. For um, sure. And then uh, another rapper that was really like blowing up huge uh, pop smoke from New York. He was only like, I think, 22, 23. And he got uh, murdered in like a, a home invasion. But but most of that stuff has to do with the lifestyle kind of lining up with other extracurricular activities that result. Oh, yeah. It's definitely way more, way less of like a actual feud musically between rappers like right yeah. now, like the Tupac Biggie thing. Sure. And more of just uh, like a gang affiliation in trouble. and like stuff like that. Yeah. I, 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 it's hard. It's easy to romanticize it in retrospect. Like you say, at the time, it's pretty scary or pretty gnarly, but I, I do miss the component of danger in music, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, you look at like the Rolling Stones when the Hells Angels were, were stabbing folks in the crowd and you have, um, Gigi Allen throwing shit at people and, you know, all these different things. And now it's like, I, I, I don't even know who I would consider a dangerous band yeah. any longer. I remember um, one of the first, the first hardcore festival uh, music festival that I ever went to was, uh, was Gainesville fest, uh, which is separate from the fest. It was an actual hardcore fest in Gainesville and converge headlined. And uh, I think it was in 2002 and um, they played three songs and then the dude was that was like doing, you fail me or what album would that have been? Um, it was in between Jane Doe and you fail. Me. Okay. You fail me wasn't out yet, but they were playing songs from it and okay. it was coming out soon, but, uh, they played three songs and then, um, the whole weekend, it was kind of weird. There was like, this weird tension because like they let like the vegan hot dog guy in the first day, but then they wouldn't let him in unless he paid. So he's like, fuck that. So like literally the second day, there was like no food for anybody who is vegan or vegetarian to eat because right. all they have was a Papa John's there. Um, and they allowed stage diving the first day, which the first day, like Madball, Shy Halud and a bunch of bands headlined Most Precious Blood played. Um and then the second day, Converge headlined, and it was getting pretty intense. And they had this like mix of security. They had like some hardcore kids that like knew what was going on. And then they had the venue, which was the Florida Theater of Gainesville. They had the security and like probably the rowdiest show those dudes had ever worked was like Run DMC right, or something right. like that. So they literally had no fucking idea what to do. Um but Converge got to their third song, and um the dude who was roading for them got in between the barricade and just smashed the barricade, um, uh, the fucking holders for the wooden barricade. Right. And, uh, Jacob Bannon was just like, all right, Gainesville, like, this is your stage. Like, get the fuck up here. Like pretty much tired of this shit. And, um, yeah, there's actually, there's a video of it online. I'll send it to you, you but they ended up, sure. uh, the security guard ended up grabbing the dude who smashed the stage and was like punching him. So Nate fucking hit the security guard in the head with his guitar. And it was just like the most wild shit that I have 
ever fucking seen. Like Angel's to this got day, a wild history. It of just punk blew music. my fucking mind. Um, and then they they said that they could play like a couple more songs, and then kids started like pulling the barricade apart and throwing at the security guards. Some punches got thrown. They actually tried to the venue tried to press charges against Converge <laughs> for inciting a riot. But this dude who ran a message board uh, in Central Florida was filming. He filmed the whole fest. So he filmed it and he showed where the security guards were like punching kids and shit. So they ended up getting off on it. They ended up not being able to charge them. That's amazing. Because of that. But um, yeah, I remember my adrenaline at that time. Like oh, I, I, I was just imagine. fucking definitely. Was that the wildest show you've ever been to? It's still probably the most wildest, yeah. the wildest thing I've ever seen. I had never seen Converge at, po at that point. They were definitely my favorite band. And I, at the time, I thought it was like the most amazing thing ever. And then later, like when I got back to the hotel I was staying at, I was like, well, I really would have liked to watch them play a whole fucking set. Yeah, though. <laughs> yeah for sure. But I, I thought it was like the most amazing thing ever at the time. I was like, holy shit, this is fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, Elliot, you are one of a kind for sure. You are an encyclopedia of amazing <laughs> music. You've got at least two great bands that you're in, if not potentially a third coming out soon. Hopefully, if that project does uh, materialize, you'll consider coming back on and talking about it with us. Yeah, definitely. Um, I really appreciate you coming by. I know it's late at night, and uh, hopefully I can get you on the show again. Hell yeah. All yeah, right. thank you, man. Thank you for having thank me. Thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.